Live from Austin, Texas, it's the KNA Sports Picks Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Cofield and Associates. For over 20 years, specializing in Oracle application delivery. Hey listeners, we're back with another podcast. We got TK Mavs here and GK and talking the world of sports. So, uh, you know, we, we, we've gotten through the lull of the sports. Um, you know, the only thing really that's been going on recently is the World Cup. And um, Tanner, how did, how did your World Cup pick do? Well, I think, you know, if you go and look back at the tape, um, I think you will see that I believe both the guys, both GK and TK Mavs, both picked France for the World Cup. Um, and while, you know, France was not an unpopular pick, there were a lot of people, you know, were picking Brazil, but the guys stuck with their guns and they picked France and it paid off. So, so if you would have listened to our World Cup preview and you would have been in Las Vegas or you would have been on the streets of London and walked in, walked into a, a betting parlor and, and you had uh, listened to our picks, you would be a wealthier individual right now. And I also think I picked Croatia as the dark horse team. Yeah, I think I picked Purdue, Peru. But that's okay. That's okay. They, uh, they, they lost to, to uh, France in a close game. And unfortunately, they lost to um, Denmark. But here's a quick soccer question before we move on. Um, you know, the guys, we obviously did a, did a great job picking the World Cup. The Premier League starts tomorrow. So for fans looking, not that KNA Sports Picks condones this, but for fans who might have a, a bonus that they might we want to lay down on who would win the Premier League, who would you say, GKU? Um, yeah, it. It's got to be um, uh, Manchester City again. They're the um, they're the clear favorites. You're looking looking for someone that could dethrone them, maybe Liverpool. Um, but I don't. I think Manchester City is going to win going away this year. I would very much agree with you. I think unlike American sports, where you know you have a possibility of a playoff upset, you know, just the format lends itself to the dominant team winning, and they are the dominant team. So. I think, you know, um, this is not as risky of a pick as, as a World Cup pick, but great job to the guys for their success, successful World Cup. So before we get into uh, uh, football and some exciting news about our, our upcoming um, NFL preview podcast, um, we got the end of the baseball season coming up here. We've got the last six weeks. Uh, American League looks it's pretty clear cut. Um, you know, with the Red Sox, the Cleveland Indians, Astros, the, um, I mean, of course, the Yankees have the first wild card. The only interesting race is the Mariners and, and the A's there. Do you see the A's holding out the Mariners? Unfortunately, I do. Um, I would really like to see that Mariners team make the playoffs, um, you know, just because, one, I think they're a veteran team, so I think, um, they are not going to have another shot at this close for the next several years. And two, just a sports drought. I mean, you know, 18 years now with no playoff berth and no end in sight, you know, that's just painful for any sports city. So I'd love to see them break that. But unfortunately, I think the A's have 
I don't think that they're going to play quite as hot as they have for the past few months, but Moneyball, um, Billy Bean always seems, you know, they're just such a tricky team because every few years he seems to find this ragtag group of players that can put together this seemingly improbable playoff run. Um, so I think they'll hold on, um, but I agree with everything you said. I think other than that, the American League playoff picture is pretty set. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I think the the A's are are going to hold on. Um, I'd like to see the Mariners and their and their streak, their um, 18 years or more of, of not making the playoffs. Um, the thing is with with the um, Mariners, I think they overachieved. You look at the run differential right now; it's minus 27 or so. Um, so I think they were playing a little bit over their head, and, and I think the A's A's will pull through. The National League is more interesting. Mm. So how do you see right now? Who do you have um, in the playoffs in the National League? Well, it's so hard to tell because all three divisions are really up for grabs. Um, I do see the Cubs holding off the Brewers in the Central just because I think they're a more veteran team. Um, I think they have slightly more talent. Um, so I think the Brewers will get in as one of the two wildcard teams. The Cubs will win the Central. Um, I kept waiting for the Nats to turn it on. I still think they arguably have the most talented roster in that division. They just seem perpetually to underperform. So I'll say the Braves hold on. And then the Dodgers, um, you know, they had a really slow start to the year. They heated up, and in the past two or three weeks, them and the Diamondbacks have been going back and forth, back and forth. Um, I still think outside of Zach Grinke, I like the Dodgers pitching better. And I think I will count on their starting um, pitching to win some key games down the stretch for them to edge out the um, Diamondbacks. But that's a race for all I know. That could go down to the last uh, weekend of the season. Yeah, I would, I would agree with uh, Atlanta, Chicago, and the Dodgers. And I'd see the, the Phillies and the Brewers uh, as, the wild card, as the wild card team. Uh, I think the, the Nationals... Um, their starting pitching staff is a is a little shaky. Um, you know, this could be their this could be their last run too yeah. because uh, Bryce Harper could be a Cub. Philly, Philly next year. Yankee. Um, it's really it's really disappointing for the for the Nats, and they were my preseason AL AL pick. I thought oh, yeah. you know last run. Um, yeah, my preseason World Series pick. Yeah, I. Was, I picked the Yankees. I'm still gonna still gonna go with with the Yankees, even though the Red Sox um, gonna win that division easy. But um, and I think you know they're the clear favorites to win win the World Series. But um, as much as I don't want to, I'll, I'll still still um, I'm not gonna back out of my pick right now. So we'll we'll be back later on. Um, um, in October with our baseball picks, but now let's, oh my, this is the, it's the National Football League. It's back. Preseason, preseason is back. And um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Oh yeah. And we're going to, just so the, the uh, listeners know, in the next few weeks, we're going to be having, it's confirmed, right? Glenn, it's Glenn confirmed. Graves. It's confirmed. Glenn Graves, uh, yeah. Ed, oh, Ed, um, um, we'll be breaking down all the. We'll do division picks. Division we'll do picks and our, and our Super Bowl picks. Super Bowl picks. So um, 
And if any listener out there would like to be a part of the KNA Sports Picks, the uh, football pickums, then we'll put GK's email in the show notes so they can email him. Yep, we have uh, our, our sponsor for the show, uh, Cofield and Associates, who has over 20 years of Oracle application experience, and they're they're really diving deeply into into the cloud uh, Oracle cloud software now. But they have come up with some some prizes for for our uh, football league, our football Ooh. league through the CBS uh, fantasy fantasy app. So we're looking forward to to that. Um, so Tanner, yes, start of the football season. Your fandom. Where does your 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 fandom start? Are you still on the Cowboys? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously since two thousand and seven, so for the past eleven years, I've been a die in the wool Cowboys fan. You know, I've was a big Romo guy. You know, I remember. My heart broke for them in 2007. I remember the disappointment of several playoff disappointments, several disappointments of continually seeming to finish runner-up in the NFC East. You know, I stuck with them through these 11 years. But for the start of the season, I'm questioning that, and I'm going to try to jump on the Seahawks bandwagon, which the Seahawks were actually one of the first NFL teams I ever liked as a young boy. you know, I eventually settled on the Cowboys, but there have been a, a series of, you know, decisions over the course of my fandom that have led me to look into the Seahawks. So is, is this authorized? Hey, do you have Bill Simmons rules of fandom yes. that you can, <laughs> you can pull up here to see if, if that's kosher? So Bill Simmons, you know, he's a... The great Bill Simmons. The, the great Bill Simmons, you know, says you know, has rules for being a true sports fan. And one of his biggest rules is that once you choose a team, you're stuck with that team for the rest of your life. Um, But he provides conditions in which um, this can change. Um, So would you like me to read the conditions? Yes, I would. So the first one is if your team moves to a different um, city. So all you former Oiler fans um, or or any, um, you know, if you chose once the um, Oilers left to become a fan of a different NFL team, you can do that with a clear conscience. Yes. You grew up in a city that didn't field a team for a specific sport, so you picked a team, a a, uh, random team, but then your city lands a team or you move to a city that fielded a team for that specific sport. one of your immediately fam- one of your immediate family members either plays professionally or takes relevant management coaching or front office positions with a pro team you follow a favorite college star to the pros and root for his team um, this only works if there is not a pro team in your area and then the final one um, the probably the most important clause to this discussion is the owner of your favorite team treated his fans so egregiously over the years that you couldn't take it anymore. You would rather not follow them at all than support a franchise with this owner, with this owner in charge. Um, so that is the key clause in my fandom because I will try to use and justify that Jerry Jones has breached 
kind of trust between the fandom and the um, ownership. And so breaking that tree, that, you know, that trust, he has created a breach of contract enough to where I'm now a free agent and can select a football team. I respect that. And um, I also, several years ago, I, I, I jumped on the, the Seahawks bandwagon. As, as you know, as many of our listeners know, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, so at that time, as a, as a, as a kid, um, as Connecticut, equidistance between you know the Patriots, the Jets, and the Giants, and um, it was the end, the last few years of the Joe Namath era. But but I picked the Jets and Broadway Joe as as my team. Um, unfortunately, if I would have picked the Patriots or the Giants, I would have seen my team win win a few Super Bowls. But I stuck with the Jets for for a lot of years through a lot of heartaches, a lot of bad ownerships, but but. I just after after years of Woody Johnson betraying the trust of, of the fandoms, there was uh, you know the whole giant stadium. The Jets could have built their own stadium out in Queens, but he decided that he would sign a 99-year lease, and we're playing once again in another giant stadium. They can call it Jets and Giants Stadium, but it's Giant Stadium. <clears throat> the way that he meddles with the front office and forced them to to get rid of Chad Pennington and, and sign Brett Favre. Um, he fired Eric Mangini, uh, even though he gave him a guarantee that he forced Brett Favre on him. Um, the way he, he, he just meddles in the front office and then his comments, I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, who you, who you vote for, um, but Woody is too much into politics. He's made comments that he'd rather see his his candidates win than have the Jets win a Super Bowl. Now, as someone that followed the Jets for more than um, 35, 40 years, saying that, that you would rather have something happen other than the Jets win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, there has been generations of Jet fans that have gone to their grave without seeing the Jets Super Bowl. And um, I was always the Pete Carroll guy. Oh, so, yeah. So, um, you know, he was the coach of the Jets for a year and and they screwed him over and fired him. Uh, so it was just a natural um, thing for me to go with uh, the Seahawks. I love the Northwest, like Pete Carroll, like Russell Wilson, and their owner doesn't meddle, and their owner would rather see the Seahawks win than some politician win. So that for all those reasons, That's... I... I um, had a divorce from the Jets. Well, I think those are all very sound reasons and would fall within the Bill Simmons rules. Um, for we me, might have to get Bill Simmons on the show on the to, sh- to, 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 to bless our, our conversions. For me, it was just Jerry's constant, um, you know, putting the bottom line and the dollar signs above the good of the team. I mean, um, you know, this is a team that I think Jerry Jones throughout the years has consistently made it clear that he values ticket sales and revenue more than a, than a winning product. I mean, there are stories on the night of the Johnny Manziel draft. Stephen Jones had to beg his father, beg him not to pick Johnny Man, Manziel. Jerry Jones had to know Johnny Manziel was not the best football choice. Right. But to him, it's all showmanship, publicity. I mean, you, you know, you build the Cowboy Stadium, you build this new training ground, this new facility, and how many 
playoff wins has the team had since moving into Cowboy Stadium? I mean, one or two. Um, you know, there's just constant greed, I think, that's run through the organization. I mean, there's a refusal to fire any coach that might have his own, you know, that might be strong and strong enough to stand up to Jerry or to have a different a, opinion than Jerry. Um, no offense to Jason Garrett, he's a nice guy, but I mean, I think there's clearly one of the reasons Jerry likes him, you know, is he's a yes man. Um, and, you know, he just runs the org, you know, he's the GM, he's the president, he's the CEO, he's the chief executive officer. I mean, he just runs, you know, it's like a little hermit kingdom. Um, and I think, you know, Jerry's not careful. I think, you know, the Cowboys are going to go the way of the Raiders to where they have this great past, but you have this crazy owner who refuses to see um, reality. So at some point, as a fan, you have to say, you know, if your owner doesn't value winning, if he values the bottom line, why should I invest my time and support in an ownership like like that? I mean, I know it's a business. I know you have to, you know, you have to make make money. You have to pay the bottom line. But there's just this lack or desire of a commitment to put winning above necessarily growing the the value of the Cowboys on the Forbes most valuable team list. Well, the only thing I have to say to that is, go Hawks. <laughs> So yeah, um, excited, excited for the Seahawks oh, yes. season, excited for, for the National Football League um, is back. So yeah, and much looking for our anticipated preview uh, podcast. Um, so we got, we got three listener questions uh, today. Keep them coming, folks. Love these, love these questions. Uh, first question is Mac and Austin. And Mac wants to know... Uh, how you see the Longhorn season playing out this year, and do you see them any hope in the next five years of playing in the BCS championship? Um, I see this season as a step in the right direction for the Longhorns. I think that there were some positive signs last year. I think Tom Herman's a good coach. Um, I don't know if he's a great coach yet, but I think he is a good coach. Um, I think the quarterback question will continue throughout the year, but I see this is a seven and five, eight and four. I'll say if if you put a gun to my head, I'd say this is an eight and four college football team. Um, now, well, if they'll make the playoffs the next four years, you know, oh, that's tough because you you know to do that they have to finish in the top four teams in the nation, and I mean I see the the distance right now between them. And some of these SEC schools, Clemson, Oklahoma, I mean, it's huge. I mean, I just think, you know, they really have not, since 2010, or I think 2009 was the last year the Longhorns were good. You know, some of these college football teams have gotten so much better, and the Longhorns have been stagnant or in decline, that I just think there's a huge gap right now between the talent the coaching and the culture in a team like Clemson, Ohio State, or Alabama, and a team like Texas. And I think for them to get to that level of competitiveness where they can compete with those major programs is not going to be something that happens overnight. So I'll say it will happen in the next 10 years, five years. Like I said, I think the gap is just too big right now. Well, I think I think they will be in the BCS championship in the next five years. Um, I think I think it can happen sooner rather than later. This year, 
yeah, this year they're they're not um, going to be an elite team. But if they keep if they can keep recruiting, there's just too much talent in Texas. So you look at all the talent that Mac Brown brought to Texas. Um, you know, it's it. I think Tom Herman's the Longhorns are on the right path. Um, you know, and I do I do think you know there's too much history, there's too much money in the program, and there's too much talent in high school football here for the Longhorns not to even accidentally run into some some outstanding standing players. So I I will say that Mac I do think within the next five years the Longhorns will be going for a national championship. Well, I hope you're right. Okay, next question is from Cindy in Austin, Texas. And she wants to know the guy's take on um, how the internet has changed sports. Oh my gosh, well I think the biggest change has been the recruitment and scouting of players. I mean, I think, you know, in baseball the explosion is just massive. I mean, now you have so many smart analytical guys. I mean, the former, the old school baseball scout used to be a former player. You know, they'd look at things like, you know, they try to look at these intan these in these in uh, tangibles and arm strengths, but now you have these guys who can take this data and break down a player and look at them in every um, level and make these predictions. So I think it's completely changed the um, scouting um, industry. Um, I think it's also, you know, I don't think football is quite as statistics driven as baseball. Um, just because obviously baseball is 162 games, so you can get much larger sample sizes than a 16-game foot uh, football um, season. But you know, you still look at the ways guys view films. I mean, now you have, you know, guys are using VR to put themselves in the in the game and watch films. I mean, guys are watching, you know, game film live from a tablet during the um, side sidelines. So I think it's changing the way scouting is run I, I think it's changing the way players are studying um and um learning and i think it's only going to be more and more so and i think we're going to see this technology um reaffined because teams will always look for any way to get a competitive ed, uh, advantage so i think they'll keep trying to use the internet and data to um give them that yeah one thing i'd like to get your take on this one thing that um you, the internet and analytics has, has been great. It, it's, it's helped teams um, quantify value of players and strategy. But it, it has led to, I think, the game of baseball not being as exciting as I think it was maybe 25, 30 years ago. Because now analytics say, you know, it doesn't matter if you strike out. You know the, right. the strikeout is, is 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 not is is not a negative. You know, so everything right. is tailored around to we want a power pitcher and we want home runs, home runs, right. home runs, home runs. Now, as a Mets fan, I, I you know I, I saw that that's the way that their Sandy Alderson constructed their team was a bunch of home run hitters that struck out a lot. Well, the problem is is that you know you're devaluing defense. You're devaluing, um, you know, taking a walk, getting singles, moving runners around, manufacturing, manufacturing runs. So, it, um, you know, it would be exciting watching four to two game teams with strategies trying to move a run around, stealing, hmm. you know, base base stealings. You know, back in the day, it was it was exciting to 
you know, the duel between the pitcher and the runner at first base. But now everyone, you know, it's just the whole, you know, Yankees smash ball, you know, hitting, everyone hits on the lineup, hits hits home runs, and you're just sitting back waiting for the three-run home run. So I, that's the one thing that uh, I think baseball has gotten a little bit too way, too far away from, from um, um you know some of the old school baseball. So there's just got to be there's got to be a pendulum swing back. I would I would hope that you can use analytics, but I mean there's still some right. there's still some things that the, the computer can't analyze. Well, I completely I agree, and I think the thing I completely agree. I think everything you said was right on, and I think the but I think you're right that there is going to be a swing back because I right now I right now I think the home run is overvalued. And I think you're going to see more and more teams, you know, I mean, right now there are so many guys who are having 20 or 30 home run seasons that those are almost becoming meaningless. And I think you're going to see guys finding that even if they get a lot of home runs, they're not, that doesn't necessarily guarantee them a big contract. Right. So I think you're going to see guys um, maybe looking to discover more contact and I think teams are also going to, you know, all, all I think is, you know, one team, you know, a contact heavy team that bucks the um, system and wins the World Series and all the teams are going to be going back the um, other, the, um, other way. So I think we've seen this swing before. I definitely I agree that I enjoy stylistically more of the baseball game that puts more emphasis on base hits than just home home runs. So I definitely think we swung the um, other way. But I think eventually just kind of like the law of markets, I think home runs are overvalued now. And I think that that value is eventually going to come down um, to the more uh, market average. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so thanks for unpacking that. Oh, yeah. That was, that was good. Uh, okay, we have one, one final question. Uh, Q from possibly Washington, D.C., but whereabouts not 100% no. Q wants to know, what conspiracy would you like to start? What conspiracy theory would you like to start? Oof. I would like to start the conspiracy theory. That's a great question. I would like to start the conspiracy theory. A sports-related conspiracy? Or it could it be could anything. It could be any conspiracy. Hmm. Well, I'll let you go first, okay. and while you do your answer, I'll think of mine. Okay. So for mine, thinking about thinking about this, mm -hmm. I would, you know, the whole Area Fifty One in Roswell, New Mexico. Sure. So I would like to c combine the 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 Army finding aliens with the whole um, theory that that uh, life is is just um, a simulation. A computer simulation game. Oh. So, not only did, did the the government find aliens in Area Fifty One, but they found they found the alien simulation. They found the software for a life being a, com a computer simulation game. So Ooh. that's that's the theory that I would like to spread is that yes, indeed, we had the army did find out that life is a computer simulation. And they find and they found the architects, the aliens, of this computer simulation. I like that theory. I like that theory a lot. Oh, I guess I'll go back to the cowboys. I would like to start the conspiracy theory 
that Jerry Jones um, and Jimmy Johnson were involved in a pack with Satan. <laughs> and when and the three of them made a, a deal when he signed that said that Jimmy Johnson had to be the coach of the Cowboys for 10 years. And Satan promised Jerry, if this were to come true, that the Cowboys would win five Super Bowls in 10 years. But Jerry made a power move. He broke the deal with the devil. And as you sure you, I'm sure, as I'm sure you, you know um, what happens when you break a deal with the Dark Lord. <laughs> Mayhem and, and, and Sue. So I think Jerry Jones broke his contract with the um, devil. I think... Um, the devil out of the kindness of his heart gave them one more Super Bowl with Barry um, Switzer. But I think as, as a punishment, I think the Cowboys currently are cursed by the Dark Lord for the next 100 years. Ooh. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons Jerry's been investing in Jerry World and the star because he knows the Cowboys aren't going to put a winning product on the field. So he has to put all his time and, and energy into selling as much revenue and tickets as possible okay so q there's there's two conspiracy theories that can be floated out there in the ever 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 world of of the internet and podcasts so that's our their podcast uh, looking forward to uh, end of august we're going to have our um, preview extravaganza program and like to thank our sponsor, Cofield and Associates, um, for all your Oracle application needs, specializing in Oracle Cloud. So, Tanner, any final thoughts? Well, I just think we're getting into a great time of the sports uh, calendar. Baseball pennant races are uh, heating up. The NFL is getting ready to um, kick off. So, I hope everyone finds some time over these next few weekends to sit back relax and enjoy some great sports that's right football's back baby <laughs> bye <laughs>